principal heresy of the Protestants is that saints may obtain a certain assurance of their gracious and pardoned state before God. Say what? That does not sound packed. That is not packed and approved. That's not what we're talking about today. But it is a quote from Roman Catholic Cardinal, arch rival to Protestantism and Reformed theology, Robert Bellarmine. Mm -hmm. Mike, why would that be relevant for episode 151? Welcome to the Pactum episode 151, where we are going to talk about the death of Christ, which in fact does bring us legitimate assurance. And there it is. We are talking about the death of Christ. We have legitimate assurance contra Rome, contra old good old battle Robert, 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 the Cardinal. Bellarmine. You have a mug with Robert Bellarmine on You know it, what? Don't you? I did, just to kind of remind myself of <laughs> enemies of the gospel. Yeah. So we do like assurance. We like the benefits of the death of Christ because it is sure, it is sufficient, it is saving. We're going to talk about those kinds of things today during this series that we're doing on gospel doctrines. That's right. So we did an episode on the incarnation, yep. uh, life of Christ. Today it's going to be death of Christ, emphasizing that. And we'll also eventually cover the resurrection as well as the Ascension. That's right. It'd be fantastic. All right. Enjoying any kind of fun things? Seen any great movies, Mike? We need to catch up a little bit. Any great great cuisine? You know, it is Christmas time as we're recording this here on the Pactum, and I have tried... Year after year after year. Don't to, say pep, peppermint mocha. No, 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 no. no. This, is a movie, this is a movie thing. Uh, to make it through It's a Wonderful Life. I've never actually seen the entire movie. And have and you yet? I am, I think I have 20 minutes left. Okay. So I'm, I'm almost there. A fan? It, you're, you're such a fan that you can't watch it in one sitting. Yeah. Well, it's hard to find the time that, I mean, because a lot of times I turn around and the kids are like, what is this? It's in black and white. It's, you know, I wonder. I'm I'm enjoying it, but I you know it's I have maybe there are people who have watched it for years and years, but it seems to jump in the timeline here and there, and I got lost a couple times, but eh, it's okay. I'm still waiting for the thing that makes me love it. But, so that's what's going on in my life. I'm trying to make it through. It's a wonderful life. Don't hate me. Okay, I think I've watched it before with my wife because I love my wife and I want to live with her in an understanding <laughs> way. I went to the symphony with my wife for the Chris, Christmas pops or whatever it was, and I stayed awake. Hey, I was alert. I was all in Good for you. So my marriage is going swimmingly. That's great. That's funny because Angie and I are kind of the opposites, right? I I like to watch some of those movies and I'm into things. Angie's she's the football one and she's seen me watch this movie and she goes, "What is this? Why are you watching this?" Yeah, you know. When we were first married, Molly would want to go to the symphony and, you know, maybe if Ray Charles was there accompanying or whatever. Yeah, I go. thought that was really cool. cool. Otherwise, I was pretty much uh napping <laughs> and uh, it didn't lead to Good things happening. <laughs> so I took a little nap before we went just so I wouldn't and uh, had myself a, a diet beverage so I could have a little caffeine. Make it through the stimulant. <laughs> so I did have uh, – I saw we had candy cane peeps at my house today. What? So Christmas. Is that a thing? And uh, I brought them, but they're all hard and nasty. So I was going to oh. bring one to you and we could do a little – Candy cane peeps? Uh-huh. We have them at our house. They're shaped like a candy cane? No. Or they the bird? They're shaped like peeps. Well, I, you by know, definition, I, I think well, they have to be. Well, but it's candy true. cane flavor. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't try them, but I thought it'd be something we could talk about. That would have been. Mm. Well, maybe another time. <laughs> maybe another time. <laughs> so, as we talk about the death of Christ, yes. because we're talking about gospel doctrines, let's make sure we understand that which is of first importance. To, on today's episode, we will talk about 
uh, everything from the love of God, which obviously leads to the sending of his son on our behalf. We'll talk about things like atonement, redemption, all of the important, awesome things. It won't be exhaustive because how in the world could we be exhaustive talking about these matters? But as you are listening to the episode today, we hope it's edifying. We hope it's educational. It can help you as you want to think more deeply, more clearly, more biblically about the awesome, grand, magnificent reality that is the death of Christ on behalf of his people. Yeah. Uh, how great a love God has had for us. So hopefully it leads to worship. It leads to deeper study and appreciation. Uh, maybe it'll help you in evangelism. But we're excited to be talking about the great work of our matchless Savior, the Lord Jesus, when it comes to his death. Yeah. So we've been using questions to get us through these topics and to talk and kind of guide our discussion here on these episodes. And uh, let's start with, as you mentioned, kind of barely scratching the surface. Let's let's talk about a 30,000-foot level here question, why did Jesus die? Numerous reasons. There so, are many let, reasons. Let's let's just start by offering uh, some of them, and one would be he died for he died because uh, God loves sinners. Hmm. Yeah, and so he he didn't die for us, and then he loved us. He loved us first, as a matter of fact. And in Ephesians chapter five verse two, it says Christ loved us hmm. and gave himself up for us. Hmm. So I mean, we could we could end the, end the show. Yes, we could much. wrap it up uh, to consider he loved us when we weren't lovely while we were enemies uh, and all of the while we were yet sinners. Christ uh, gave himself up for us. So he died because he loved us and we obviously needed to have our sin problem dealt with. We couldn't do it on our own. Right. Right. Uh, we know, according to Romans 623, that the wages of sin is death. So he dies for us, not because he's sinful, but because we are. Mm. And uh, we we can't save ourselves. We needed to be rescued. We needed to be saved. So Christ died for our sins because the wages of sin is death. And he did, did all these things because he loved us. Yeah. I suppose we could keep going, Mike, with more reasons because there are numerous reasons. There are numerous, yeah. So, and here on the Pactum, we like ourselves some Pactum. Pactum. That's so gotta be, yeah, we should put that one to the top. Let's make sure we get that in there. <laughs> Not only did Christ die because he was dying for sinners, because he loved sinners, uh, he, he did all of this according to the decree of God. He did all of this according to the intra like to say that intra, intra yeah, trinitarian yeah. decree plan and purpose the pactum the covenant of redemption yeah so we could look at different texts uh, but even in a, in acts chapter 4 we yes, learn yeah. about the guiltiness of those who crucified jesus uh herod pontius pilate along with the gentiles and the peoples of israel it says uh, gathered against uh, your holy servant Jesus, and then it says in verse twenty-eight to do whatever your hand and your plan think, decree, think, purpose, think, think pactum to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Yeah, yeah. so that's a whole other angle to look at it from, right? Yeah, for sure. So yes, he isn't it great? He loves us, isn't it great that he died for us so he could deal with our sin problem and bring us to God and reconcile us? But all of this is according to plan. According to plan. Yeah. All of this is according to the decree, the pactum, the, the covenant. Yes. And there's so much more. We'll get into the details. He did it to conquer sin. He did it to conquer death, to d- defeat our last enemy, which is death, according to 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty six, to crush the serpent. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Fulfilling the promise of Genesis three fifteen. So pretty amazing to consider the death of Christ and all of the ramifications and all of the 
reasoning, if you will, behind it. Yeah. It's amazing. Most certainly. So when we're considering the death of Christ here in this episode, uh, how, how do the sufferings of Christ relate to his death? It's a good lead-in, especially, or a good way to bridge the gap between the last episode we did on the life of Christ and now we're talking about the death of Christ because throughout the whole, not just at the end, not just with the crucifixion, even though that would have been, maybe we would say most awful, Hmm. using that in both senses of the term awful, but he suffered throughout. His whole life was a life of suffering. Uh, He, as he obeyed his father, was in daily association with sinners. So people who were lawbreakers, they're image bearers, and yet the image had been marred. And so that would have been uh, not pleasant. Um, He's living in a sin-cursed world with death and disease and sickness. Not only that, you've got the assaults of Satan. You've got even his own people that he came for hated him and did not trust in him as they should have as the Messiah. Mm. He's persecuted by his enemies. All of these things happening. He's he was he would have been alone because he and he alone was perfect and righteous and sought and pursued the will of God with perfect motives even. So he was alone in that. How hard it would have been, how awful it would have been as he suffered throughout his whole life. He suffered uh, in body and soul because he suffered as a person, if you will. It just goes on and on. Burkhoff says this, uh, there were also sufferings caused by the fact that God caused our iniquities to come upon him like a flood. Hmm. And Burkhoff references Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 53, 6 and 10. So, and then leading to Gethsemane, to Golgotha as the, the low point or how a high point, whichever way you'd like to look at it. Yeah. Not only that, Burkhoff talks about he's a perfect person, so he had a perfect capacity to suffer, hmm. which kind of blows my mind. I've never really thought about that. But he said, no one could feel the poignancy of pain and grief and moral evil as Jesus did. Hmm. Perfect in feeling. Right. I think is yeah. what he's getting Oh, sure. At. Yeah. So it, it's a real downer and until, unless you stop and realize he was doing it to be our great savior. Right. Yeah. For to, us. Yeah. To suffer on our, on our behalf. Yeah. So the suffering's not reserved just for on the cross. We're saying the suffering was his entire life, even leading up to... The cross were obviously yes suffering. Yes, on the cross. and and as maybe a footnote, we talk about we talk about the active and passive obedience of Christ. Right. Yeah. Uh, what we don't mean is he was passive. It comes from a Latin word and, and it has to do with with suffering. Mm. So his whole life was obeying positively, if you will, but also his whole life was uh, a life of suffering. Yes. Um, right. It was a life of. Uh, that's what we mean. What we mean by passive. So sure. both are important. They're really inseparable unless we're just making observations. So how then should we describe the death of Christ? Are there certain words that we should be using, ways we should be describing it? Pactum listeners, if you can just remember one thing, if you don't remember any other word, I hope you can remember this word when we're describing the death of Christ, and I'll bet you can already guess what it is. If there's only one word, um, think school, think mm-hmm. sports, think other analogies. Um, we, we have to think of Christ's work as vicarious. Ah, but that was not the one you were thinking, <laughs> of. The one we're thinking of. But uh, they're really synonyms. It's substitutionary. Yes, yeah. Right? He is our substitute. What he does, he does on behalf of his people, on behalf of another, taking the place of another, he takes the place of his people. Right. So when I think of the death of Christ, I think of for, F-O-R. Yes, right. Because yeah. again and again and again and again, we have 
he suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, First right. Peter 3.18. Yeah, yeah. uh, he d- did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, Mark 10.45, uh, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us, Galatians 1.4. Awesome. Yeah. So in yeah. our place, in our stead, the, victory, uh, the vicarious substitute. And I have to make an admission here, Mike. I think I was probably a Christian for a long time, <laughs> or at least for quite a while before I really thought much about that. I Yeah, probably so. I would have said Christ died for my sins, yes. but I wasn't really grappling with the, he died for my sins. Yes, yeah. Uh, in my place, right. condemned he stood. Yes. <laughs> Is that how the song goes? In my place, condemned he stood, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, Yeah. If you if you can remember that, all of a sudden now you've got a lot of traction and it becomes rather profound because he lived in our place. He died in our place. He was raised in our place. Today we're talking about the death of Christ died in our place for our sins. Yes. Think substitution. We can't do it. Uh, we're incapable of doing it. So we need someone to come in and do it for us. Right. And uh, we're on the team, so to speak. And so we can say we won the game. Right. (laughs) Um, Even though it's not a game, you get the analogy, though. Right. Even though we ourselves were incapable of leading the team to victory, he actually leads in our victory spiritually for redemption. Yeah. So what exactly did the death of Christ accomplish? Uh, This is where we roll our sleeves up. This is where it gets... Now we're kind of getting into the deep end. What does the death of Christ accomplish? I think we should start by talking about atonement. Yes, yeah. And atonement means to appease. uh, It means to satisfy. Mm -hmm. So God's law has been violated uh, and the wages of sin is death. So there we have it. So payment must be made. Appeasement must be made. Satisfaction must be made to meet the just requirement. Yes. Yeah. John Murray in his classic book, we'll put it in the show notes and recommend it. Redemption accomplished and applied. Uh, I just blew the dust off of mine yesterday and was rereading <sighs> sections. Uh-huh. And I thought, this is a great book. It is. Yeah, it's a great book. I, I, really was, I was actually taken aback. A little bit of a bad taste in my mouth because John Murray wanted to... I can't remember what's the exact verbiage he wants to, he wanted to reformulate that was recast something yeah, like that yeah. covenant theology. Yeah. It led to all kinds of mischief mischief. I think we said that in the last we did episode, in the last episode. The yeah. one before that. So that, that book is outstanding. It I is. think I'm going to use it for one of my next theology for breakfast classes. Yeah. It's a great as book. Providence would have it. He says this, have I said yet? He says no, this, he says this, <laughs> what's he say? Oh, Murray says propitiation presupposes. So atonement, propitiation, those are synonyms, Mm -hmm. as we'll see in just a moment in reading the text of Scripture. Propitiation presupposes the wrath and displeasure of God. And the purpose of propitiation is the removal of this displeasure. Hmm. So God is not pleased with us. God is not happy with us. We've been estranged. Hmm. Um, We've become his enemies, Enemies, Romans would teach. And so he's angry, there is wrath, there's indignation, and propitiation satisfies. Uh, Propitiation or atonement atones. Mm. It meets the requirement. So atonement language is used throughout the Old Testament. It's also used in the New Testament, though not as often. Um, It's it's transtestamental, as we like to say on the pactum. Mm. And so it's vital. What does the death of Christ accomplish? 
Well, it accomplishes atonement. Uh, it accomplishes propitiation. God is no longer angry with us, if you will. He's no longer against us. He's now for us because the violation has been taken care of, right. if you will. Yeah. So, and we would also say before we look at the passages, if we want to go a little bit further in the logic, you you need atonement. You need a you need propitiation in order to have forgiveness. Mm, yeah, and so uh, they, the two go hand in hand, and we know we need forgiveness, so therefore we need atonement, we need propitiation. Right. So Romans chapter three verse twenty five says, "Whom God put forward as a propitiation." Hmm. Uh, NIV says, "Sacrifice of atonement." Hmm. So either way, both essentially mean the same thing: propitiation by His blood uh, to be received by faith. Hmm. Yeah. Someone once told me they were trying, they didn't like certain things about atonement, and they said, "Well, you know, the word's not even used in the New, in the New Testament." I, <laughs> now I look back and go, "Well, you know, <laughs> guess you know. guess what propitiation means?" Right. So it's just a matter of translation. It is. So yeah. you know, <laughs> why 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 are people against such good things? I, you know, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Why why would we try to argue this away? Help me. Yeah, I need, have sin. I need I need my sin. God to not be against me. I need Him to be for me. Therefore, I need Christ. I need Him to die to propitiate the wrath of God. Yeah, yeah. How about another text here? Hebrews 2.17, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. There, again, NIV says, to make atonement. There it is. First John 2, 2, he is the propitiation. I just like to say the word. Yeah, propitiation. He is the propitiation. <laughs> I, whenever I say that word like in a church service, I always define it, and I always think, what is the person who's like, like church illiterate, who uh-huh. doesn't normally right. come to... What are they thinking? What are they when thinking? When they hear that word... We don't use it very often in our culture. Yeah, no. He is the propitiation for our sins, atoning sacrifice, NIV as well. He is the atoning sacrifice. Yes, yeah. First John chapter 4, verse 10 says, likewise, and we'll end when it comes to these propitiation texts. Yep. Uh, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And earlier we talked about love leads to. Yep death of Christ, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the satisfaction, the atoning sacrifice. So notice atonement doesn't bring love. Love actually brings atonement. I always think of that song, or I always think of this reality when we sing the song, Mm. full atonement can it be? Yeah. And I always think, yes, Yes, and that's why I believe in particular redemption, (laughs) not because of the song, but I can actually (laughs) sing the song full full throatedly. Yes, yeah. uh, Because I actually believe in particular redemption. Yeah. So my Armenian friends probably, they sing it anyway. They sing it anyway. It's, yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. Anything else we want to talk about when it comes to atonement? You know what? We're going to. We're going to bring it up again later when we talk about people who who oppose our or bad doctrine when right. it comes to the death of Christ. Yep, yep. People who oppose substitutionary atonement. Uh, it's it's because they don't like this idea of God being angry. Yeah, right. But that's just a preview. Yeah, things coming. Just a little ahead. little sprinkling there. Mm-hmm. Get you but guess what, Pactum listeners? God is angry. Yeah. Right? Angry. Um, God doesn't only hate sin, as a matter of fact. Read Psalm 5. Um, <laughs> so God is angry. He's angry with us, and, and it's because we've violated his just, his fair law, his just requirements. Yep. And so we're not naturally in a good relationship with God. Right. 
And uh, that's not somehow uh, some medieval made up kind of thing or fable or fairy tale or mythology. That's the word I was looking for. It's true of God. The yeah. one true and living God. And so we, we love us some propitiation. We love the fact that Christ loved us first and gave himself up for us and made atonement for our sins. Yeah. So the death of Christ first accomplishes atonement, as we've just been talking about. Mm-hmm. What else does it accomplish? First of all, Mike, do you think the at one definition as a, an American Sunday school definition, could, could, we, could, could it work? Atonement means at one mint. At one mint. You ever heard that before? I haven't ever heard that before. Yeah, I don't remember where I heard it, but I think it's a Sunday school favorite. I've never heard that. Yeah. So you know what? I beat up on some of these Sunday school favorite definitions sometimes, like just as if I never right, sinned yeah, because yeah, yeah. that doesn't work. It's just just as if I perfectly, personally, and perpetually kept God's law. And right. Anyway. At one minute, you know, I, I, I can get behind that, I guess, right? Because now we're united to God because he's satisfied. The, the son satisfied. Right, satisfied. Uh, It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. We'll we'll let you be a church member (laughs) if you want. (laughs) If that's as bad as it gets. I've never heard that one. That's a new one on me. Also, since I rudely interrupted you, uh, a lot of times people define atonement as covering in the Old Testament Mm -hmm. from the Hebrew word. And I actually had a Hebrew professor who kind of argued against that. Oh, interesting. I'm kind of back to thinking, I, I, I mean, I can get behind it, I think. I think, yeah. There are some scholars that say, and uh, it shouldn't be covering, but uh, it does cover. Cover. Right? Because yeah. there's still unrighteousness there. Yeah. I that's it. I think of the, I don't know if this is related, but I think of the, the mercy seat and the blood poured over the mercy seat. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. John, it's good enough for John Murray at this point in my life. <laughs> as long as we're not talking about the covenant of works, I can get behind get John behind Murray it. saying it's it's cover. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> so what else did the death of Christ accomplish? let's now let's now talk about reconciliation reconciliation and yeah, obviously yeah. these cannot be you know utterly separated no they, no they complement. This, yeah, this, yeah. it is the work of Christ yes but, right uh, we want to cherish it and understand it from different aspects and angles so also the death of Christ brings reconciliation we know this mm-hmm. because we're estranged from God uh, there's a conflict we need a mediator uh, and he is that mediator but text like six Texts such as 2 Corinthians 5.18 make it abundantly clear where it says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Hmm. Yeah. So through the work of Christ, including his death, we're emphasizing that on this episode, we have reconciliation. Yeah. Yep. Murray says reconciliation places in the focus of attention our alienation from God and the divine method of restoring us to his favor. Hmm. I, I more, can get behind more that. good stuff from Murray there. There it is. Yeah. He ta- Murray talks about holy enmity. Hmm. Kind of a good way to th- that is a good way of yeah. putting it. Holy yep, we, we we have peace with God because, uh, as Romans would say, the reconciling work of Jesus through His death. Yeah, let's do another one. Another angle when it talks when we're considering the what, what's accomplished. By the death of Sorry, Christ. I just got a, a, a text pop up <laughs> up on my screen and I thought, squirrel. <laughs> Another angle from the death of Christ, what does it accomplish? Is it how accomplishes about, redemption. How about redemption <laughs> from the title of that great little book? Did we say that the Murray book is a great little I book? Think I we think mentioned we mentioned it once redemption or twice. Redemption accomplished and applied. Yes. There it is. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, we have, in him we have 
redemption. Oh, another mm. another pact in text. Another pact in text. In him yep. we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Makes me want to just keep reading, but we're going to stop for the sake of the episode and time limitations. Mm. So redemption is literally buying back or buying out of. Uh, it's, it's marketplace terminology. So it would have been used uh, in extra biblical writings for the marketplace. It's even used for uh, buying people. Hmm. Uh, and so it's buying people out of the slave market, if you will, because that's how it would have been used sure, yeah. or setting captives free because of war. And so it's, it's Jesus, if you will, and it's the metaphor, but for des- describing something spiritually, he frees us from the slave market of sin because the Bible does teach in Romans, we're enslaved to sin. Yes. Yeah. And so he, through his perfect work on our behalf, through his redeeming work, we are set free um, because the payment has been made. The ransom has been paid. If you need to use that uh, other word, which is oftentimes used, uh, it means purchase. He's buying us out of, even according to the good Dr. Murray. Hmm. Very good. Also, according to Murray, uh, here's a good little um, rapid fire list of bullet points. Christ redeemed from the curse of the law. Christ redeemed from the necessity of keeping the law as the condition of our justification and acceptance with God. Next, Christ redeemed from sin. Next, Christ redeemed unto freedom from both sins, guilt, and power. Mm. And finally, from Murray, Christ redeemed us unto, or Christ redeemed unto eschatological consummation. consummation. Yeah. I like that. That's fantastic. And the listeners can hit. figure out that. It's all, every, every, all of the things. Yeah. Everything necessary, right? He, he accomplished by setting, by, by paying the price and setting us free. Yeah. All the way to the end, all of, all of the benefits are ours because of his purchasing the price, if yeah. you will. Amazing. Fantastic mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. taking place. So what, what did Christ accomplish? Great, amazing things. That's but, a good answer. I mean, I'll take that. Yeah. So what didn't he accomplish? If we're thinking about what Christ did accomplish by his death on the cross, what didn't he accomplish? So looking at it from, from the negative, which is sometimes uh, helpful in understanding the positive. So maybe we should have started here. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. You know, uh, what, what didn't he accomplish? It, it, he didn't make people redeemable. Hmm. Yeah, right. Which sounds really silly because who, nobody would say anything like that. But, <laughs> but think with us, oftentimes when we're thinking about theological matters, we act as if, especially like when we're still struggling with being Arminian, uh, and oftentimes we are early right. on in our Christian right. life, yeah. when we're still there, we think, oh, Christ you know, died to make everyone redeemable. Yeah. That's not the verbiage we just saw. It's redeem, yeah, redeem, yes. redeem, not re- made redeemable. Another way of putting it, he didn't make atonement possible. Right, yes. It wasn't, he is the po- potential right. propitiation for right. our sins. Yes. No, it, he is the propitiation. So payment is actually made, atonement is actually made. It's not possible atonement, it's real atonement. Yes. And now we're getting into the controversy. Yes, now we're getting into the controversy. Usually this is the hardest pill for people to swallow, if you will, because they don't understand it early on uh, when it comes to what we oftentimes refer to as Calvinism and the one particular point in uh, the the tulip, which would have to do with particular redemption, otherwise uh, known as limited atonement. Check out episode 17. It's called Questioning Calvinism. Calvinism. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So 
How about Burkhoff on this uh, very point? Burkhoff says, The atonement not only made salvation possible for the sinner, but actually secured it. On this point, Calvinists join issue with the Roman Catholics, the Lutherans, the Arminians, and all those who teach a universal atonement. These hold that the atonement of Christ merely made salvation possible and not certain for those for whom it was offered. But the Calvinist teaches that the atonement meritoriously secured the application of the work of redemption to those for whom it was intended and thus rendered their complete salvation certain. I'm giving Boom. you and Burke off the fist pump. There you go. Right? It's, it's not potential. It's not, not possible. Right. It is actual. It is complete. It is secured. Yes. That's 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 worth that's worth the episode, Mike. It's worth the episode, yeah. I'm so glad I tuned into the pack today. <laughs> I'm gonna share yeah. it with friends and so you gotta listen to this. There's some great quotations from Lewis Burkhoff in yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Something actually happened. Actual atonement, yes. actual redemption, not possible, not potential. And I, we know people struggle with this. So we're going to invest sure, a yeah, little bit I of do. time yeah. in trying to help you help other people. Or maybe you're at a place where you are still struggling with this very matter. Yeah, possible. Yeah. It's like the one conference where R.C. Sproul uh, is, this is years ago, and he says, I, I hear, I wish I could imitate him, but I won't try. <laughs> I, I hear there are some of you four-point Calvinists here. <laughs> And I want to welcome all of you Four Point Calvinists to the conference and uh, along with the rest of you Arminians, <laughs> which I think is pretty funny. But And I think a lot of people thought it was funny, and I'm sure some people didn't, didn't think it was, it was funny. funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it is what it is. So yeah. l- let's let's talk this through a little bit, Mike. Yeah. So people have a problem with limited atonement, which is an unfortunate label, mm-hmm. uh, because really we're talking about talking about the design of the atonement. Right. Uh, yeah. It's 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 not limiting. It's actually successful because it's successful in doing what it was intended to do, and Correct. that would yeah. be to secure the salvation of the elect, to right. actually make atonement, and to actual to make re- redemption a yes. reality, yes. not a potential. And so there are different reasons why people struggle with it. Let's talk through some of those reasons. Yeah. One reason people struggle with particular redemption, and that is the death of Christ did what it was designed to do, is because they they know of certain biblical texts that seem to say otherwise. Hmm. Yeah. Just then the classic one is first John two two. two, two yep, yep. We just read it. He's the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins, but not ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Right. And so there it is. Yeah. And I've struggled with that. I've been, I've been on both sides of that, that, yeah, that debate. Sure. Yep. But if you insist that whole world, there's every individual who's ever been born in all history, including Herod, including mm-hmm. yeah. all the bad boys, Judas. Yeah. Um, Anybody and everybody. Now you have universalism because yes. uh, it says propitiation. Right. So you have to make a choice. And we know we, we know that's not true because of other texts. Yes, right. Hell, hell is real. So what do we do? Um, we have to say, all right, is propitiation, do, do we make it mean something less? Hmm. Oh, yeah. he made potential propitiation. Yeah. Uh, he made everyone savable. Yeah. No. That, no. Or, I mean, I, I put it on hold for a second. Okay, maybe I have to do that. Um, hmm. Or could it be that world sometimes in the Bible means something other than every single individual who's ever been born? Hmm. And guess what? 
Yeah, including Pharaoh. Right. Um, yeah, it actually does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it means different things in different places. And one thing that it can mean, a legitimate use, would be uh, in contrast to it's not only Jews, it's Jews and Gentiles. Right, right. right. It's, the, it's the world because that would make up all different kinds of people. And we are not doing it right now, but you can prove it throughout the use of the, in the New Testament. Yes, Sometimes right. it means that. Yeah, yep. I am much more comfortable. Mm-hmm saying, I think propitiation is real mm-hmm. um, because I think it's the only option if you're honest with the text. Right, yeah. Um, and world there doesn't mean uh, uh, universalism. It means Jews and Gentiles. Right. All yeah. different kinds of people. Yep. So there's that. So hopefully we just helped you with that or you can help someone else. That's not the only reason I would bl- believe in particular redemption, but that's one of them. Right. I think people sometimes struggle with particular redemption or the success of the atonement to atone and not just make atonable to make up a word would because they be, would be because they don't understand substitution. Hmm. So yeah. actually um Traditionally, Arminians don't believe in substitution the same way Calvinists do. And when we say substitution, we mean in place of. Yeah, right. So Jesus stood in place of Mike Grimes and Pat Abendroth as our substitute. He did it on our behalf. Well, if that's the case, it's taken it's care done. of. It's done, yeah. If he's the substitute for everybody, then it's taken care of. Another thing people maybe don't understand and fail to understand, and so they don't like uh, redemption accomplished and then applied when we come to believe, would be because they don't understand atonement. Right, yep. There's that. To, to, to atone means to satisfy. Yes. So if atonement has been made, propitiation has been made, then God is satisfied. Uh, mm-hmm. There is no wrath. There, there can't be any wrath because the wrath has been taken care of. He, it's been answered. Uh, he's, he's now pleased. In addition, sometimes people don't understand something related to that, and that would be what we would call double jeopardy. Mm. So if let's just pick on Judas mm-hmm. because right, I right. think that's what we do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's called yeah. the son of perdition, so we probably should do that. So if if Judas' sins had been paid for. Uh, then Judas has to be in heaven now. Right. Because God, God's wrath is satisfied. And for Judas to be suffering for his sin in hell now would be for God to be unjust. Yes. Right? Correct. Correct. Because we're not talking about potential propitiation or potential atonement or save a bull. No, we're talking about a saving, reconciling, atoning, propitiating work. And where there is propitiation, Mike, wait for it. There is propitiation. There is propitiation. <laughs> <laughs> the satisfaction is a reality. Uh, maybe p- sometimes people don't understand the pactum as it would relate to the Trinity, and we don't mean the podcast. Right. If we have this intra-Trinitarian covenant, this agreement, which we do have in Ephesians chapter 1, it's not like the Father is going to elect mm, because yeah. he – well, he, it is like he's going yeah, to elect. Right. He does elect. Yes. Uh, and the Spirit applies and regenerates uh, the elect because it shows up in faith. Um, and, but the son was trying to do something different. Mm. And I realize somebody's going to say, well, you're basing all of this on logic. I, I'm being logical there, mm. but it just doesn't make any sense to have the son trying to do something that the father didn't actually send him to do. Mm. Yeah. So, or it's not a part of, or the spirit as well. And then maybe one other thing, and this is maybe where we should have started. I'm not sure, Mike, you know, uh, <laughs> is the fact that sometimes people don't realize there are texts in the Bible that actually teach effectual substitutionary atonement. Yes, yeah. So that Jesus 
what he what he designed to do, what he sought to do, he actually succeeds in doing. So John chapter 10 is that text. Yes, right. In John chapter 10, it does say, quoting Jesus, I lay down my life for substitution right, right. substitution for the sheep. Hmm. Okay. He lays his life down for the sheep. That begs the question, who are the sheep? Right. Every person who's ever been born since the beginning of human, human history? Um, no, because the sheep end up being saved. Hmm. The sheep end up never perishing because if we just drop down, you could read all of John 10, but I'm going to drop down to verse 28. Oh, even verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 28, I give them the sheep. He laid his life down for people. I give them eternal life. So the sheep he lays his life down for receive eternal life and they will never perish. Those he laid his life down for will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Hmm. In one sense, that just turned my theological world when it comes to this matter upside down. Hmm. Because once I saw that, I thought, okay, maybe there's a better explanation than I've heard already or believed already about 1 John 2, 2. Hmm. It's not going to be in contradiction. It's actually the same human author quoting Jesus. Maybe I need to go back to First John two two and see it. Maybe, are there other options hmm. for good interpretation? And yes, there are. And so I believe in an effective, effectual, successful atoning atonement. Yes, here That's- on the Pactum. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this is one of the reasons why some people don't like theologically. They don't like the Pactum yeah. because. In the covenant of redemption, you have a certain atonement right. that most certainly atones yes. and propitiates. Yeah. Do you know why, Mike? Do you know why John Calvin taught predestination? No. He had to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's a good one. He had to. Come on. That's good. There is that. One more thing about Calvinism, and then we probably need to turn this into a two-parter. Possibly because so. we have some more things to say about the death of Christ. Yeah. And uh, it is, it's a thing. So yeah. one more thing would be, since we were talking about Calvinism, just for clarity's sake, you know, the five points of Calvinism were not created, if you will, by Calvinists. Mm. Yeah. So know that to be true. Yes. Actually, the followers of Jacob Arminius, uh, the Arminians actually came up with the five points and they were responded to and refuted by those who were... Biblical, right? Yes, <laughs> those who believed otherwise, and so they had their five responses, if you will. And you can read about this if you read the Canons of Dort. Yes, we'll put a link in the show notes. But I would highly recommend the Canons of Dort. Yeah, very yeah. readable. It's refreshing. It's wonderful. It's profound about the efficacy, about the infallibility, about mm. the effectuality, if that's yeah, a word, it is now. of the work of Jesus Christ. Yes. I, when, when I read through the Canons of Dort, and it's, again, it's not hard to read, it's, it's worshipful. Yeah. It, it's rich, it's profound, and it makes me think, who in the world wouldn't believe in particular redemption? Right. This is glorious. This is grand. My Savior didn't come to make me savable. Mm. My Savior came to save his people from their, from sins, their sins, Matthew one twenty one. What a great, matchless, glorious Savior. And we're going to talk more about it, him and his great work on our behalf in the next episode, which yep. will be ec- ep- which will be episode, <laughs> which will be episode one hundred and fifty two. 
Yes. All right. So we'll be back with the second part of the Death of Christ episode. Thank you for being a part of the Pact Verse. Thank you for listening. We appreciate all of you. If you want to find us, you can find us online, thepactum.org, X at the Pactum, Instagram, the Pactum Theology. You can email us, connect at thepactum.org. Episode. We'll next week for the next episode, <laughs> part two. Thanks for listening to the Pactum. Pactum.